Would you give her a great big hand of appreciation? Great seasoned woman of God. <clears throat> I pick on her, and um, but we love her very deeply. Good evening. Uh, not long ago, the Lord administered something to me, and if you will allow me to just be honest and just be real with you tonight. I'm going to share a little bit of that with you. Uh, and I hope that it ministers to you as it ministered to me. Uh, it was a time, it was during a time when I was struggling and um, questioning some things. And um, as I was struggling and questioning some things, the Lord would encourage me. He would give me an encouraging word. And you know, we, we learn to recognize the voice of the Lord, and when it's the Word of God, it's the voice of God. Um, but I, I began to notice that when the Lord would speak an encouraging word to me, I would, no, no, that's, I don't see the fruit of that, I don't see the evidence of that, no, I'm done believing that. And um, I saw a pattern, and it kept happening, and the Lord checked me on it. And I, I began to understand and to realize that I was denying God, and I was denying the promises of God. And um, one day, he spoke directly to me. And um, just so you know, that's sin. You know, when the Lord is speaking to you and you rebuke God, that is sin. Um, but I have in my living room, and I asked Steve to put this up because I'm a visual kind of person. I like to see things. And this, um, there's a, a large picture on one of my walls in my living room. And this is the picture. And um, it's a picture of my youngest grandson. He's five months old in that picture. And I'm not going to talk to you tonight about Carson. I could talk to you all night long about Carson, but I'm not going to do that. But what I am going to talk to you tonight about is what God spoke to me in my living room. I was walking through my living room and I look at that picture often because you probably have no idea what that picture means to me and says to me, how many messages is in that picture. But that picture frame says, believe when it's beyond reason to believe. And um, that's what we're gonna talk about tonight. And I love, I love the Lord. I love the Lord because I'm a simple person. I'm not an eloquent speaker. I'm just a simple person. This is who I am. And he speaks to me in the simplest ways. And he knows how to get my attention. And that word believe stood out to me. And the Lord challenged me that day with a question. And he said, do you believe? And I paused, and he continued and said, no matter what it looks like, do you believe? No matter how long it takes, do you believe? No matter how many struggles, no matter how hard the battle, will you believe me? Now, there's a difference in believing in God and believing God. How many of you know that when God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't already know the answer? My initial response when the Lord challenged me with that question was, of course I believe you. Of course. But the Lord checked me 
and said, do you? And I had to ask myself, do I? Do I believe? And as a Christian and as a believer, it's only expected that my answer would be yes. Do I really believe? Do I believe when it's beyond reason to believe? Now, I'm a word person, and if I'm going to find an honest answer to the question that the Lord presented me with, then I need to know just exactly what that means to believe beyond reason. So I looked up the word believe, and it said to accept as true, to be convinced, to have faith or confidence in the existence of something. So then I looked up the phrase beyond reason, and the definition of beyond reason said to a foolishly excessive degree. In other words, to believe beyond reason could be described as when you put believe and beyond reason together, it can be described as foolish faith, ridiculous faith, outrageous faith, eccentric faith. Now we know that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So our belief is fueled by faith. And this kind of faith, it might seem insane or absurd to some people. Faith is not something you have. Faith is something that you do. It's trusting when you don't understand his plan. It's trusting when you don't see the fruit. It's trusting when you don't see the evidence. It's trusting when you don't feel it. Faith is an exercise of the will and not of the emotions. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So without faith, we can't please God. If we're not pleasing God, we're not in the will of God. It's by faith that Noah prepared an ark for the saving of his household because he believed God beyond reason. It made no sense to anyone else. People thought he was foolish. He had foolish faith. It's by faith that Abraham obeyed God when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive an inheritance. It's by faith that Abraham was willing to offer his son up as a sacrifice because he believed that God would fulfill his promise to him, even if it meant God had to raise his son from the dead to do it. Abraham believed God. To others, it may have sounded ridiculous. But Abraham believed and obeyed God. He exercised outrageous faith. As the body of Christ, we've got to raise our, our shield of faith and extinguish the flames of doubt and unbelief. So to find the answer that the Lord proposed me with, I had to ask a few things. To believe God means that we have to believe that he is who he says he is. So my question that I want you to think about tonight, and I want you to ponder on is, do you believe God? Do you believe that God is who he says that he is? Luke chapter 9, the Lord asked his disciples, who do they say that I am? And then he goes on to ask a more direct, a direct question, and he said, who do you say that I am? What he was asking is, what do you believe? Who do you believe that I am? And, of course, Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But Exodus 3 and 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am, interpreted as Jehovah. He is Jehovah. 
He is Jehovah God. We can talk about the power of God and even his presence, but when we talk about Jehovah, we're talking about him as a person, his character. Jehovah is the side of God who relates to you and me. He's creation. Jehovah is the God who personally reveals himself to us right in the middle of our trials, our struggles, and every detail of our life. When we say, I'm not good enough, God says, I am. When we say, I'm not qualified, God says, I am. When we say, I'm not smart enough, God says, I am. When we say, I'm not strong enough, God says, I am. When we say, I'm not victorious in this battle, God says, I am. And when we say, I'm not brave enough, God says, I am. Psalms 103 says, know that the Lord is God. If we don't know anything else, we are to know that Yahweh, our covenant maker, the God over all creation, he is the living God. He's our great shepherd. Do you believe he's your great shepherd? He's our provider. He's our redeemer. He's the beginning and he's the end. He's the rock of ages. He's my strength and he's my song. He is the bread of life. He's Adonai, our great Lord. He's El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. Do you believe that he is the all-sufficient one? Do you need a healing? Do you know someone that needs a healing? Because he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Do you need a financial miracle? Because he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. He's our shield. He's our mighty fortress. He's the defender of the weak. He's our city of refuge. He's our strong tower. He's the light of the world who dispels darkness. He's unchanging. Do you believe that he's unchanging? He's the Lord of hosts. He's the creator of heaven and earth and all that is in it. In Revelations 1, 17 and 18, Jesus says, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. You and I have got to know without a doubt, without unbelief, that the one who cut covenant with us through the torn flesh of Jesus Christ, he is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. He is who he says he is. Do you believe that he is who he says he is? He's either everything that he says he is or he's none of it and he's a liar. That's harsh. But scripture tells us that no deceit can be found in him. Therefore, he must be all that he says that he is. Matthew 16 and 19 says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's time that in the body of Christ that we bind the stronghold of unbelief and loose a fresh anointing of faith. We will see miracles. We are going to see miracles. We are seeing miracles. Um, another question that I had to ask myself, do you believe that God can do what he says he can do? Most of the time, it's easier for us to believe that God is who he says he is than it is for us to believe that he can do what he says he can do. It requires a little more faith. However, God can do what he says, and he can do it simply because he is who he says he is. Jesus came to save the lost. He came to heal the sick. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set you and I in our right minds. I don't know about you, but there was a time I wasn't in my right mind. God set me in my right mind. Jesus still performs miracles today. 
Not because he has to, not because he wants to. It's because he loves or it's because he loves us. He does want to. But it's because he loves us and he has compassion on us. There are many testimonies of miracles sitting in our pews every single Sunday, and I thank God for those. My family is one of those. There are many sitting in those same pews every Sunday in need of a miracle. You probably are sitting beside someone that needs a miracle. It's in Luke chapter 7 that Jesus raised the son of a widow from the dead because he had compassion on her, and it says his heart went out to her. And Luke 5, 17 suggests that at other times, Jesus performed miracles because the power of the Lord was present. We're desperate for the power of God and the presence of God in our lives. We don't have room for unbelief in our hearts and in our lives. Maybe we need to fall on our faces and cry out the same words that Habakkuk cried out in chapter 3 when he said, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. We've read what God can do. We have heard what God can do. And now we need to be asking God to do it again in our day and in our time. John eleven forty, Jesus said, did I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? If we want to experience the power of God, we've got to start believing him for what his word says. I think we all want to see the power of God. Matthew 13, 58 tells us that it's because of the unbelief that was in the hearts of the people that prevented Jesus from doing many miracles. If you're in need of a miracle, or if you know someone who's in need of a miracle, Satan's going to try to cause you to doubt. He's going to tempt you with doubt and make you try to believe that God does, is not that same God today, that God no longer does miracles. Well, I'm telling you, God performs miracles. I've given a testimony of many of those miracles, and I could tell you of many more. But we have to believe. We have to believe. We have to cast out that spirit of unbelief from our hearts and repent of unbelief so that God can do what he says he's going to do. Believing is a lifestyle. It's a choice. It's a choice to stand on God's word and to cast down every evil lie that the enemy whispers into our ears. When I'm unsure about things, all I have to do if I stop and think about it is take a look in my past. Because the Lord has been faithful to me. The Lord has been faithful to me. And if all of this is not enough for me to believe, I believe because I know where I've been. I know where I am. And I know where I'm going. I know the power of God. I know what he's done. I know what he can do. He's healed me. He's put me in my right mind. He has provided for me over and over and over again. He has picked me up when I could in no possible way pick myself up. He has made a way for me many times over when there was no other way. He has fulfilled many promises to me, and I believe that there are many more promises for me yet to be fulfilled. He didn't always come. It didn't always come the way I'd hoped, when I had hoped, how I had hoped, but the Lord has always been faithful. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 tells us that no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Jesus gave his life so that God could say yes to the fulfillment of his promises in the lives of the believer. Anytime God tells you no, it's for the sake of a much greater yes. So in conclusion, I have since repented of my unbelief. 
we have to repent of unbelief in our hearts. It's not going to just go away. I'm believing God for big things. I'm believing God for big things for myself. I'm believing God for big things for family members, for those of you sitting out here on the pews, for the leadership of this church, for the ministry of this church, for our nation. There are a lot of things to believe for. There are many great and mighty needs in this church, in our friends and our family that are here. There, there are many needs. You know many of them. Um, God is able, and I believe that it's just an opportunity for him to show himself mighty on our behalf. John 5, 17, Jesus said, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. So tonight... You know, that is a word that the Lord spoke to me. And when he speaks something like that to me, it's not just, and you too, it's not just for us, it's for others because we're not the only ones. So I'm going to ask you tonight to come forward. And if you have had unbelief in your heart, if you're struggling with that, repent of it. We have to repent of it. We have to get it under the blood and put it behind us. And then we have to start exercising outrageous, crazy, absurd faith. And that comes from the word of God. And that comes from casting down those evil thoughts and accepting the word for what it says, receiving it, believing it, applying it to our lives. That is how we overcome unbelief. And when you come up and pray and, and you go through that time of repentance, then I want you to pray for those needs that you know about. You know, I was going to name some of them, but I'm afraid if I do, I'm going to miss some because there are many in this body. But you know the needs that have been presented to this body. We have a lot of people facing a lot of sickness that it's going to be by God's mercy and by God's grace that they're going to receive that healing. And God is able. God is faithful. So I'm going to ask you to come. And you know, I, I'm just going to be honest. I'm just going to be real. I have a friend last night that said, I don't land the plane well, and I feel like that person. So I always struggle with what to do in the end. Um, I don't want to make something up just for the sake of doing something. I want us to be effective in what we come here to do tonight. Um, because there are so many needs, I'm going to ask you, if Sister Marvin did this last Sunday, if you will just get in groups, because we need to name those needs. And I'm not talking about, I have a dog. She's one of my children. I'm going to admit it. But I'm not talking about my dog died. Let's pray. I'm talking about Misty has cancer and Misty needs a healing. Those are the needs that we're going to pray about tonight. We're going to pray about those urgent needs that require a miracle, that require crazy faith, that require extreme faith. That's who we're going to lift up tonight. So I'm going to ask you to get in circles and tell people what those needs are.